fingers cool. are barely yeah, over your right hand, and then this right hand is kind of open over, over theme and this hand, okay. and it feels so awkward. And yeah. that whacked as a launching pad. <laughs> okay. But man, when I'm hitting good, like, it's good. My I'll just I hit do my intro, well. and I'll kick yeah. it over but to you. Okay. I have a really weak <clears> grip. I do so normally. Like Me too, normally. Like this. <sighs> I would rather be like that. <laughs> sorry. Are you guys done? I'm sorry. You guys are sorry. talking Bible. We got bored yeah, with that. We want to talk golf. Can't all be holy like you. <laughs> There were even times where Paul, I think, like when he was about to leave Ephesus and he was speaking to the Ephesian elders, he had to say to them, my hands are clean. I have done everything that I can. I have fulfilled my calling in the Lord, and now it's up to you to follow that or to not. Parents have to do that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Um, a good point. We have to do everything that we can, but at the end of the day, our children do stand as individuals before God, accountable to Him. Right. Hello there. Um, Thank you for joining us. This is Pastors of the Roundtable. We're glad to see you. Everyone's laughing at that intro. (laughs) Scare me. Hello there. Uh, You're good. You're good, man. Tell you what, people you work with, you know. um, We threw you off. All right, we'll just keep going on anyway. All right, this is. You're here with the normal cast. Yeah, we're really glad to be with you guys uh, today again, sitting around with these guys. Again, I have to see them a lot of the days of the week. You only have to hear them once a week. So, um, it's yeah, good. Pastors of the Roundtable is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. It is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MNBC in Monroe, Michigan. You usually say Monroe, Michigan a lot. Yeah, well, because I, I get made fun of for the way I pronounce that. Can we get a sponsor? Sure. Monroe. Yeah, this, tr- this is sponsored by Together in Christ. Yeah, we need another sponsor. Right. Yeah, Anybody out there want to sponsor? Yeah, if you want to sponsor mm-hmm. us. Anybody got any small businesses? Uh, right, yeah. You could provide free hey, food. Hey, we would get t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Merch. Hoodies. Merch. I want to get some merch. Some We're going to have to get some merch. Some bobbleheads. Oh, wow. Bobbleheads. Christmas is <laughs> Yeah. Pastors of the Round Table. So what's the logo. point of this podcast? Okay. Our goal, <laughs> our goal together is to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Um, so, yeah, I'm sitting around the table with these same guys again this week. Tim's over here eating a chicken pot pie, and uh, we're getting ready to have a, a good conversation here today. Sitting around the table with me is Tim Michelangeli, lead pastor of MMBC, Scott Slater, family pastor, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, and my name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor here at the church. Um, our goal today, guys, as we uh, sit around the table today, is to talk about parenting. And we really want to take an overall view um, of the overarching role of a parent and how you raise your child, your goal as a parent, and the and the formation of them. So uh, let's kick it over to Scott. Scott, you want to lead our discussion kind of as we as we think about that, that topic? Yeah, sure. So last time we uh, had the episode about marriage, our goal there was to give kind of like the big picture overall, you know, the faith conversation between you and your potential spouse or the spouse that you have now is kind of foundational. It leads to so many other things. Th- this week, we're talking about that same thing as it relates to parenting. Um, just knowing, okay, as a parent, if I'm a Christian, how do I see my role as a parent differently than what a non-Christian would see their role 
as a parent. And so we're asking that foundational question uh, uh, in that sense. And so I guess the question that we need to start with is, well, then how do, how do non-Christian, how does the secular world teach parents what their role is in raising their kids? Do, I mean, do you guys think that there is that there are norms, that there are goals that are taught um, that people just kind of generally understand? Or is that something that we even think about? I think the goal is, back back maybe a generation or two ago, the goal was for your child to be more successful than you financially, mm. more well-off. like that. Kind of set them up for success. Yeah, so you, you, it was your job to set them up for success. So in our country, the big, a big push has been education. Mm-hmm. You want them to have a good education. Um, so, you know, you're trying to pick the proper schools is what, you know, was being taught. And so still today, the state comes out with like, whose testing is better? And you still hear parents, you know, I want my kid to go to this elementary school and this school. And it's to set them up for success. And then more so probably when I was in school, then I think college became even a bigger push than it was before. Mm-hmm. And so it was more uncommon for me to hear like from a fellow classmate that they weren't going to college than I would say maybe a generation or two before that. Mm. And again, it was just, that was the success, right? The American dream was to grow up, have a career, have money, have a 401k and be comfortable financially so that you could get the things you want, travel if you want that, that was success. And so that's what parents then were, were geared towards. Mm -hmm. Um, now I would say another avenue of that is sports are added into that or, or maybe not sports. Maybe the word would be, uh, hobbies or activities where not just the education side, but now you want them to excel in a sport. You want them to excel in an instrument. You want them to excel at dance. You know, you want them to excel in these different areas. So now you see actually parents spending a lot of time and money on those things on top of education because that's success. Do you think the point of them pushing that is like the mentality of, well, if they get really good at this, then they're going to be making a lot of money doing it? Like, do you think that's kind of the drive behind that? I think it is for some. um, Or almost living vicariously through their children. I think that's the two things, what you just said. Yeah, That's what I see the most anyways is you got dad who misses his high school days. Right. And, glory days and he he's not gonna say it but he enjoys it through his kids yeah sure um i mean even i experienced that like watching my kids do something in sports is fun for me yeah like i like that mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. not that i'm reliving my days or anything but it's right. it's uh something i can't necessarily get in other avenues so it's it's just yeah. fun and so i yeah, think yeah it's parents, a it's a way that you can connect with your kid in a way yeah. that you haven't been able to up to that point where they've they're of the age of doing that. Right. Yeah. But yeah, some is like that's their plan for college. Like I can't afford to pay for you to go to college. So right. I will pay now for you to have trainers and to do these things and in hopes that you yeah, yeah, and it's really sad because I don't know if parents yeah. look at statistics, but <laughs> not many people get yeah. uh right. athletic scholarships right. or I'm assuming even scholarships for instruments or yeah. for their voice like the the numbers are yeah. really low right. so yep. but yeah i think that's yep. the purpose behind it yeah i see a lot of people just kind of going back to generalizing things is that people are kind of pushing 
themselves to earn a lot of monies and be successful, quote unquote, successful, so that when they retire, they can be, they can do basically do what they want with their time. I think that's kind of the push for most people mm. nowadays. That's what I see, anyways. Yeah, <clears throat> I think behind the idea of it, it, it all comes down to Tim. You said it several times. What do we define as success? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the American dream, that is the idea of success, is being right. able to live a long, happy, uh, challenge-free mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And having more money to be able to do that, having the education is, is an inroad to that. Mm-hmm. So it, a lot of it is wrapped up in how you define success yeah, very true. in this world, not just for your children, but for you. If that's how you define success for you, then that is going to be what you try to work towards for your kids yeah. and after you. Um, I mean, is it a bad thing to want your kids to be happy and to be uh, cared for and to be provided for in that way, though? No, and I think that's the hard balance that even good, faithful Christian parents struggle with, you know, is that balance of, um, you know, for us, we have kids who like sports, you know, and they, they play and we don't even really push them, um, but they, they want to do these things. And so we see them having fun. You know, we see they like it. Well, then there's this balance of, well, if you're going to do it, we want you to do it well. We want to give you opportunities to, to do good. You know, and it's hard when you see other parents maybe investing more in their child for some, you know, athletic trainer or something. And you talk to that parent, and to them, they're coming from a good place. We're setting them up for success. And we're we're like, ah, yeah, but that's another day of the week away from home. You know, that's on Wednesdays or whatever. We normally go to church on Wednesdays or these tournaments are on the weekend. What does that mean for Sunday? So we wrestle with that. You know what I mean? And because we see the good side of playing sports, but we can also see the bad side of it, you know, and where it could lead. And so trying to balance that well is very difficult, even I think for the best, most well-intentioned parents. It is really hard to be because when I look back, like on my childhood, some of my fondest memories are playing sports. Yeah. Some of my fondest memories are with my friends in a three on three tournament or, you know, even just practices on teams that I was on. And then when I start to think about it from a parental side, I'm like, my parents had to spend all day Saturday with me at that tournament. (laughs) Uh, They had to work all day and then drive me to Toledo for these practices, these special practices. Right. And that had to be hard for them too to balance that. But I don't want my kids to miss out because I had fun doing it. I think they will too. Like I want them to have fun. Yeah. Enjoy their life. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's good things that can come from pursuing those activities with their kids. Like there's good things that can come from being on sports teams or activities. There's good things that can come from getting an education. We would all agree to that, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But there's a difference between the way a secular person sees the world and the way a Christian sees the world. And one of those big differences is what we believe happens after a person dies. Mm-hmm. The fact that we as Christians believe that we will continue on uh, even after we die, that there is something after this life. If that's true, and we believe it is, that should impact the way we choose to raise our kids. And if we're trying to raise them, I don't even think I would disagree with the the Christian parent saying, I want to raise my kids so they can be successful. But it depends on how I'm defining success. If I'm defining success as it relates to this world, 
then sure, it makes sense that I would care about their education and their uh, their fun, their comfort level, that I maybe have something in the bank account to leave them when I die. That makes sense. But if I believe that success is actually something that uh, involves eternity, then some of my focus obviously is going to be going towards that. Mm-hmm. And so how do, how do you guys see that changing the game in terms of what we choose to do as parents? If we're trying to set them up for success, not in this world, but in terms of eternity, that there is something after this life, how does that change our priorities? How does that change what we do? I mean, I, I can only speak, I guess, for me and how that's changed things. But it's where that the stuff we were talking about before gets knocked down a few levels yeah. for me. I know this is bad to say for a lot of people, but even education-wise, like there have been times where I have a desire to do something with my kids. Let's say uh, we like to go to Canada fishing, and it, it you know, it's like a eight or nine-day trip with the with the drive and stuff. And it's something I want my kids to be a part of with me because it's it's fun. I just think it'll be a good time with dad and, and Amanda's dad goes and her, her brother goes. So it's kind of like a family thing, you know. But then my wife who works in public education is like, they're going to miss school for a week. I say, I don't care. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to me if they miss. Yeah, but their teachers, are, I don't care what they're, it's, it's my job to raise my kids how I want to be raised. Them missing a week of school is okay. Right, they're going to be fine. Yeah, but their grade might go down. Okay, like that's that's something for me that I've weighed. Mm-hmm. It's more worth spending time with me when I'm one or whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. To me, that's more of a benefit. So that's a different goal. And I'm not even talking about like trying to raise them to be Christian or anything. I'm just sure. saying, inwardly, I want them to be successful. I guess. And so for me, that means emotionally, spiritually. Yes, physically, I want them to be healthy, so I want them to eat the right food and stuff. But I don't think everybody looks at that all the time, especially spiritually is where we would differ the most as Christians. Yeah. Is I have a a goal in my mind, which is a difficult goal because I really I can't force this goal. Like I want them to be a child of God. Mm-hmm. I want them to be saved by God's grace. Mm-hmm. I want them to live for him. I want them to love him even if it means going against the world's standards. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's my prayer for my kids. That's what I've said to them numerous times. But what really stinks is I can force them to eat vegetables. I can force them to do these things, right? I can force them to study. I, this is just something I can't force down their throat, right? I mean, I guess I can, but it's not going to produce a result. Necessarily. I can't produce a result. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what you're talking about is a, uh, something that happens in parents' minds sometimes. They'll take a verse like Proverbs 22, 6 that says, raise a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. We tend to take things like that and think that, oh, here's my magic formula of all I have to do is make sure I bring my kids to church. We can read our Bible every now and again. I can teach them the right morals. I can tell, make sure they know about God. And that will basically guarantee their salvation mm-hmm. equals success yeah. as a parent, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But parents all over the place find out that's not true. They can think that all the way through their, their child's years. And then all of a sudden, one day their child runs off 
and starts living a crazy, hectic lifestyle that is not following after the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. Parents are not capable of producing the salvation of their children, but we are commanded in scripture as parents to lead them in that direction, to teach them of the things of God and to pray for that and to work towards that. The same way we're commanded in general in Matthew 28 to fulfill the great commission. It doesn't say that we're the ones that are saving people, but God is using us as his instruments. Mm -hmm. The simple fact is your children spend more time with you than anybody else on this planet while they're kids, um, especially early on. You have the most time with them. And so you are the one that God is most using to shape them and to fashion them uh, in, into what they are going to become, into what they're going to learn. You know, I, I think it's really interesting, Tim, one of the things you talked about with the uh, your fishing trips. Mm-hmm. I think in this season, as school is starting back more than any, uh, I think parents are starting to, that I've seen, are starting to wake up more and more to the fact that we as parents are the ones that get to set the priorities for our family. Mm-hmm. There's all these competing voices that are starting to come to the table to say, no, your, your kids can't miss school. Those teachers have prepared lessons for them. There's things that they need to learn uh, or like this is how it has to be done. But you're starting to see these competing things happen mm-hmm. in the family where parents are starting, I think, to wake up to the fact of I might actually have to make a decision that is actually opposed to what the world is telling me, no matter what system that is mm-hmm. that's set up. I mean, have you guys seen that lately as well? Yeah. I mean, you got to, as parents, we have to determine who we let into our kids' lives. I think that's important. And so some parents, you know, choose to do homeschooling. Some parents choose to do public school. Some parents choose to do like a Christian education or something like that. And part of that decision-making process is, who am I going to let in to influence my child? That's part of that process. It's not the whole thing, but it is part of it. And so there's then to speak kind of what you're saying, if I'm going to send my kid to public school, I am giving now the school some authority to speak to my child and to his life. Thus, I need to respect that authority as well as a parent. So I don't need my kid to see me all the time saying, ah, it don't matter. Ah, it don't matter. Because I'm teaching them education doesn't matter. And I don't believe that. Sure. Right? So you have to be wise in those things. But yes, overall, I think, I think most parents, hopefully, realize they are the ones who have the say in their child's in their child's life. Like even if I let my kid go to public school, but then I find out there's an assembly there that I don't agree with what they're going to be saying. Mm-hmm. I have full right to say they're not going to that. Now it might make me have to go out of my way, right? It might mean I have to leave work. Mm-hmm. I have to go get my kid because the school's going to be a turd about it. Let's say, well, fine. Then you got to come get your kid during that hour. Okay. I'll, I'll try to do that. But I, I have the right to take them out or to put, you know, to put them in. Like, and I think parents are, are seeing that uh, probably more so mm. maybe than before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Go yeah no, I think so. I think we, <clears throat> we have the responsibility yeah. to do that, don't we, to, uh, to take care of our kids. To, uh, we're the ones that are going to be held responsible for that and how we stewarded the resources uh, God gave us. I think whenever we live with this eternal perspective and realize the next world is coming, it helps us to actually help our kids then live rightly in this world. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I think that happens is 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 
you realize life is not infinite and I cannot do everything. I cannot give my kid every single fun opportunity Mm -hmm. and I cannot give them every single educational opportunity and I cannot keep them from everything sinful in the world. Mm -hmm. So realizing that my stewardship is temporary and limited and finite, I then have to pick and choose and rank things and value things. And so what I, where my treasure is, that's where my heart's going to be. And it's going to come out in what I do and how I, how I talk to my kids and what I encourage them to do and what I, how I let them pursue their interests, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and things like that. And I think realizing that the, the basic reality that I cannot do everything uh, that my time here is limited and finite. The activities are finite. So then I got to pick and choose what's most important. And then we'll, we'll rank them and we'll work out of that. And, uh, in a world though, where the, the culture around us, as all cultures do, want to tell us what's actually important mm-hmm. and, and actually what should be valuable. Um, I think we have to go back to the scriptures and ask what the scriptures say is valuable. What does success look like in this world? Um, so that way we can help our kids walk through that. And actually what the ironic thing is, is as we do that, we're actually being changed too. Mm-hmm. That's the wonderful thing is we're actually being changed to, to realize what's, mm-hmm. what life is meant to be like. Yeah. And I think you said it right, Spencer. Um, the idea of what does success look like for us in this world? Well, in light of eternity, mm-hmm. success in this world means that we are prepared for the next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think sometimes parents take the approach to parenthood by saying, are my, are my kids going to be set up and prepared for me to die? Hmm. When really the way we parent them needs to be framed in light of, I need to raise my child so that they are prepared to die. Right. I mean, that's not, that's not in a morbid sense that we're talking. They might die 80 years from now. But your goal as a parent, if you're talking about what's most important, the idea that there is another life to come. There is a spiritual reality to our world. It's not just this life that matters. Mm-hmm. If we think that eternity, you know, is eternally more important than what happens on the brief period of time mm-hmm. you spend on this planet, mm-hmm. uh, then that's what our focus should, mm-hmm. uh, should primarily be on. And that's the, exactly the task that God has given to parents in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And we'll so look at that. what we're not saying though is I think when people, when you tell this to Christians and to parents, they kind of feel like, okay, what you're saying is I'm, I'm to raise my child to be a missionary, to go live their life somewhere and just fully devoted to Christ all the time. That's, that's what the Bible is, is saying, correct? And that's what my job is to be a successful Christian parent. I would say we're not saying that because if we really teach our kids what scripture teaches about being, uh, a faithful follower of Christ, we're also going to teach them about being a good citizen in the place that they live because Scripture speaks to us to do that. Mm -hmm. Scripture speaks so often about us being good employees or good employers if we're a boss, right, or just someone working. Scripture speaks to working that way. Paul uses references of sports all the time with this assumption that the people he's talking to know of at least or participate Mm -hmm. in sports and, and about training yourself in godly ways. So there's scripture really gives us a good balance of how to raise our kids full out. Not, not just that they know John three sixteen and mm-hmm. can answer the catechism questions yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah. but 
all of that, right? So it's not just about opening your Bible every day with your kids and making them memorize verses or sing hymns and song. We would, I think we would all agree scripture would give us more than that when it comes to parenting and it would envelope all of it. And so we're not saying like get out of all of that stuff and right. be focused on just spiritual things all the time. Yeah. No, I think what we're what also the reality is is uh, Christianity must be taught, mm-hmm. but it's also going to be caught by what how you model it. Sure. I am influenced dramatically, not only because of the fact that I was raised as a pastor's kid, but because I saw the way a, a husband and a wife that are both professing Christians function. Mm-hmm. I I still live out of that, and I'm modeling that, and so much of what you're going to teach your kids is going to be caught. They're going to you're going to be an example to them of what the Christian life looks like mm-hmm. as a mom, as a dad, as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as an employer, as an employee, as a citizen, mm-hmm. as a church member. Your life is going to reflect that to your kids. Mm-hmm. And um, so how you live your life, they're going to yeah. chances are they're going to model it after you and you're going to be scared. I I see my children mm-hmm. today sometimes, you know, and I'm like I either see myself or I see my parents uh, I see like my father or my father-in-law and my boys sometimes, and I'm like, sometimes that's funny. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but um, my point is, is you know, uh, yeah, w- that w- this. I think one of the wonderful things about family is that God gives us uh, discipleship is not something where we often think about it like a monastery, right, yeah. where it's like me with my master and the sensei, <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. just mm-hmm. teaches me the ways. It's a communal thing. God put us in families because we need each other. He put us in a church because we need a spiritual family. He put us in literal families because we need each other to model these things to each Mm -hmm. other, to speak the word to each other. And as we do those things together, I think, uh, I think that's actually how Christian character is formed in the midst of all those things. I would say I feel a weight as a parent, and I would say even more so as a pastor who is a parent to never miss opportunities to speak spiritual things into my family. And so I really do feel that weight because I don't do it all the time. I don't know if you guys are uh, experienced that at all, but you know, where it's like going to bed and maybe reflecting on the day or something. And you're just like, man, I, I miss this golden opportunity or yeah. we didn't pray at dinner today. Mm-hmm. And I never even said anything. Well, I was starving and I just started eating. I don't know, you know, I'm like, but I carry that weight and I carry that guilt, but I kind of like what you said. Like, I don't think it's going to go back and God, you know, one day be like, you know what, Tim, if you would have just prayed that prayer at, at dinner, your <laughs> yeah. kid probably yeah. would have been a right. missionary, but right. you failed. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. right. I don't really think that's how it's going to go. Now right. I can't just be lazy about it, right. but at the same time, understanding I can't bear. Yeah. All of that weight. Exactly. Well, that just goes back to what we already said. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we, we cited that Proverbs passage, but it's also, you have to think about Romans 1 16, where it says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it's, if, if your child becomes a Christian and they are in fact prepared for that next life that is to come, it's not because of what you did. God used what you did to mm-hmm. work that in their life. But that's, that's a helpful reminder to us that even in our failures, like despite our failures, God can still work powerfully and mightily yeah. mm-hmm. to bring about this success that mm-hmm. we're talking mm-hmm. about yeah. for our kids. Mm-hmm. I can say on the flip side, there's been times where I did speak up to my kids and I thought, 
I nailed it. Yeah. Like they're a Christian. They're going to, they're going to cry. Yeah. They're, they're going to cry in a second and confess all their sin. Like this is about to happen. And I'm like, did you hear what I said? What? It's like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Right. So, I mean, I've had it go both ways for sure. It's just about us being faithful, which I think then points to what Spencer was saying about how it was modeled for him. It points to how important it is for us as parents to make sure our walk with the Lord is what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to be faithful to that, because then when something springs, how you respond is coming from who you are and what yeah. God has done in your yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And your kids are yeah. your kids will recognize, yeah. you know, state those yeah. things. And so yeah. we have to be faithful personally. Yeah. yeah. So I, we're going to see this in a passage that I wanted to open for us. So let's let's go ahead and do that, because I think it'll just lead to more exploration of what we're talking about in terms of our life modeling it. But one of the passages of Scripture we can go to that is foundational for parents is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I'm going to read uh, several verses, starting in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's stopping at verse 9. I think the the thrust of what is trying to be gotten at there is the fact that you know, he just gave what we know as the greatest commandment. And rightly following after that basically is saying, you're teaching these things to your kids, but what does he reference next? It's not a, you need to have a time where you sit down every single day and open the Bible and instruct. He kind of gave a picture of like, this is an all of life type thing. It's when you're walking. It's when you're waking up, when you're lying down. It's when you're going, by the way, when you're sitting in your house. You have reminders posted in your home and on like on your hands and frontlets between your eyes. It should just be such a part of your life. Mm-hmm. That you use these moments, these, uh, these, these specific moments that come up over time to teach your children. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what we were just talking about. Yeah. This idea that you're just looking for those individual moments throughout the day to speak into some kind of spiritual truth, uh, to your kids as you're trying to teach them, no matter what age they are. We see how God was actually really specific in this because so often with Israel, he would say, all right, place some stones here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Set this up here. And the whole reason for it was one day when you're walking by this with your kids and they ask, hey, why are those stones like that? You mm-hmm. can tell them what I did here, right? You can tell them like God specifically gave Israel these uh, these opportunities to speak into, and same with like Passover, there was like this big long thing, a part of the kids were a part of it and they would tell them the story of Israel and what God had done for them. And, and so it's the same in our our lives where we, we should think about those things and set up opportunities to talk about stuff and to remember the good things that God has done for our family or mm-hmm. in our life and to speak those things regularly uh, to our children just as we just as we go about, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's a picture you have in your house that has a memory and, oh, I remember that time or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, God gives us those opportunities quite often. Mm-hmm. And we work towards those opportunities. So the you're you're actually talking about what he says later in chapter six, verse twenty. He says, "When your sons ask you in the time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules mm-hmm. that the Lord our God has commanded you?" He's assuming your kids are going to ask you. 
Right. Which means he's assuming that you're going to be bringing your children before those things on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. that they're going to have some kind of acquaintance with the fact that there's something special about this over here. And there's something that we have to talk about. And so it's, it's the assumption that that's going to be happening, Mm -hmm. that your kids are going to ask you kind of those spiritual questions that they have those opportunities. And God even gave us something, I think special, but like the rainbow. Yeah. All kids notice rainbows in the sky and they're cool to look at yeah, and it right. gives us an opportunity. Why is there a rainbow? Why do we have mm-hmm. that? You know, and your smart kid will say, well, it's light and refraction and water, you know, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand that, but no, it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you go back and, but I mean, God gave us that, that yeah. that's why that is there. And it gives us an opportunity to teach our kids mm-hmm. a truth about God yeah. and, a, and a loving thing about God. That's one of the great things about like when your kids are young, and they're just exploring this world and they're trying to figure things out. Right. The first time your kids see, or the first time you see a rainbow in the sky, like your kids might not even notice it at that age, but when you point up and you say, look at mm-hmm. that, you see that, you see that colorful thing right there? Right. That's called a rainbow. You know where that came from? And that gives you a chance as a parent to speak into the word of God, mm-hmm. the history of his people and of this world yeah. and its root and foundation in God's creation. Mm-hmm. But it's also a chance to speak the gospel to them, to remind them. I mean, you can use the story of Noah to teach about God's judgment on sin Mm -hmm. and God's salvation of his Mm -hmm. people. And that really is when we ask the question, okay, so we're, we're meant to teach our kids about Lord, about the Lord. Well, what, what are we supposed to teach them about the Lord? In, in that same passage in, uh, Exodus, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter six, after he says in verse 21, then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring, uh, that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. The first thing we're to teach our kids is about the salvation that God brings us. Mm -hmm. You know, what are you supposed to tell your kids about these commands? He says, teach these commandments. Well, the commandments that you teach are always based upon the fact that God saves. Mm -hmm. The first thing our kids need to know and to learn is the fact that they're a sinner in need of a Savior Mm -hmm. and that God has provided that Savior Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think the first thing I would say I want them to know is that there is God. Right. Like, so that's just that big question, God mm-hmm. and creation. Yeah. But yeah, most definitely we get down to that and you have sin that makes you kind of separated from God. You know, you're apart from God because of the sin. Right, talk yeah, about that. I mean, you, and that's an important point. This is, you're teaching them as progressive, Yeah, you know, in a sense, like yeah. one of the first things you need to try to teach a little, little child is God exists. <laughs> and then yeah. we build upon that. Right? right, God yeah. exists. If God exists, that means He has a certain level of authority right. on this earth. That means He has a certain level of authority over me. Mm-hmm. What happens if I break that authority? Mm-hmm. So it's just this—it's a complex system that you're slowly building mm-hmm. upon. You know, we're not—we're not, you, not going to, you know, save them in one conversation when they're two years old, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, just don't Unless you're Spencer's kids, maybe. I mean, <laughs> no. you're, you know, I mean, I personally think we underestimate kids. Oh, for sure. In They're their in salvation, yeah, honestly, too. Yeah. I think. Um, I think, uh, of course, they're not going to speak like an 18 year old or a 35 year old. <laughs> 
But there's a reason why Jesus does say, of such is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'll take these kids. You disciples can go away for right now. Mm-hmm. I'll take the kids, the babies, the mm-hmm. infants. Um, and I think we need to not be, while we want to progressively teach them and teach them at their appropriate level, we also want to realize that they have a, at that age, they're a sponge soaking up everything. I mean, you put your kids in front of a, of a cartoon show, it'll be amazing how much of the narrative they'll pick up and the themes and the storyline. And so I think if you're teaching your children these things, um, and, and, you know, if you're, on the one hand, we don't want to be legalistic about saying you have to do this at a set time and place. But on the other hand, we have the principle of everything should be done decently and in good order. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, there's that's a biblical principle, too. And so we want to make sure that this is a regular pattern and habit mm-hmm. in our lives. And honestly, one of the things that as a parent you realize is that sometimes the, the best uh, people to call you out are your own children. In, in funny ways, and they, they humble you. And then that calls you up on to uh, express repentance and confession of sin and the gospel promise again um, to them. So, yeah, I think, I think we want to, to build these things up. We have to construct them and these things for them and teach them, uh, but also do it at their level, but also understand that they're going to soak up a lot more of this. And God didn't, God, God told us to do this, and He didn't do it. And just tell it, do it just to do it and hope it works. Mm. I mean, it doesn't mean it's a guarantee, but there's also the other side of generally speaking, God blesses faithful parenting. Yeah. Generally speaking, doesn't mean it's a guarantee, Mm -hmm. but it does mean if you're being obedient to God, generally speaking, he's going to use that to create faith in the hearts of your children. I mean, Proverbs 22 six is not a, a hard and fast rule. Right. You know, it's not a, it's not a formula that guarantees a, a, a scenario, but it's there. It yes. says what it says, and we That's can't right. discount that. Right. I actually studied that before this just because I knew that this question would come up because I've heard that from parents before who are struggling with a wayward child, mm-hmm. and they put the weight on themselves saying, if I would have trained them in the way they should go, this wouldn't be happening. But actually, in the in the original, the word should is not there. Mm-hmm. And so it, it says basically train a child in the way they're going and they will not depart. And so it's actually speaking to discipline saying, if you let them run amok and you let them keep going that direction, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when they don't depart it, when they get older. And there's, there's kind of uh, more to that because Proverbs 22, 15 speaks about the folly in a child's heart and how you have to get the folly out of, out of them with discipline. Proverbs 29, 15 speaks that too. So there's precedence within Proverbs that makes, that sounds sense, sound like it makes sense. So the people who interpret scripture, you know, and uh, not interpret it, but who are writing out the Bible from the original, right? We have all these different versions. Most of them have put should in there because that's their interpretation of it. But really, if you take should out, it kind of makes more sense. It does the exact opposite saying. Well, it, and it could go both ways. It can go both ways. It can go right. both yeah. ways. Yeah. Right. You know, don't, if you, if you raise your kids one way, don't be surprised that they turn out that way. The right. logical consequence, oftentimes, yeah. exactly. wisely, generally speaking. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yet we still see kids right. from just horrible situations come to know the sure. Lord, right? Praise so, God. yeah, and we praise God for that. And it's the same way. You can see parents who. Right are faithful Christian people and who've loved their kids well right. and shown their kids grace and 
again, not perfect, but yet right. they don't, they don't fall. Now, I don't know how you guys are in your family, but you know, I have, I have a sibling. Me and him are different. My parents raised us both. We were in the same house. I'm sure they did some things different, but w- what is to account for that? Right. Like, you know, what's the reasoning behind that? Yeah. I would say God is, I mean, I, I don't want to give my parents all the credit, but I can't say they don't deserve any of the credit either. Sure. Right. Um, and I think a lot of families have faced that before mm-hmm. where, yeah. you know, you have this kid who goes on to serve the Lord faithfully. You have this one that does, but this one doesn't mm-hmm. totally right. turn. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you account for that? If this verse means if you raise them right, they will turn out right. Well, I mean, you think about Abraham. He had Isaac and he had Ishmael. Yeah. Uh, he taught both about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Just like Jacob had, or excuse me, Isaac had Esau and Jacob. Yeah. Again, both were taught the Bible. Mm-hmm. What made the difference, right? We're told in Romans 9, yeah. what made the difference yeah. <laughs> was ultimately God's sovereignty. It didn't mean that, um, you know. At the time, they didn't have a Bible. <laughs> right, well, they, knew, they knew about the Lord Almighty. Right, they did not have the, they did not have scripture, but they definitely had divine revelation yes. and the gospel. Yes. So yeah, so yeah, exactly. I was just um, teasing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> always prodding. Scott's always got to prod me. Yeah. I mean, there's there's that's a helpful thing because I mean it it absolutely crushes parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the first question that they ask is not what's wrong with my kid. Hmm. The first question they normally ask is what did I do wrong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and they put yeah. that weight upon themselves right. and that can crush you. Right. Um, and that's, that's why it's so important to remember what we've already said of like, this is God's working and we are doing everything we can to, to use us. But there were even times where Paul, I think like when he was about to leave Ephesus and he was speaking to the Ephesian elders, he had to say to them, my hands are clean. I have done everything that I can. I have fulfilled my calling in the Lord. And now it's up to you to follow that or to not. Parents have to do that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, We have to do everything that we can, but at the end of the day, our children do stand as individuals before God accountable to him. Right. And, um, and we do that. I think something else too, that we have to think carefully about is, you know, we've talked a lot about using the moments that come to us, but that doesn't mean like the random moments of seeing a rainbow or watching mm-hmm. something in something in a movie and trying to make a comment about that. That doesn't mean that we as parents don't have some kind of plan in place of how we are going to continue to educate and to, to train and teach our kids. I think uh, there is a, uh, a book that just came out that I'm excited to read. I've read a little bit of it uh, by Matt Chandler called Family Discipleship. And he kind of breaks up a parent's task of training and teaching their kids into four categories. We've pretty much already talked about all of them, but he, he talks about modeling it. Like you as a, you as a parent who is a Christian, you're, you're modeling for your kids what it looks like to be a Christian. But there's also family discipleship time, which is the idea of you specifically set aside time for your kids to learn about the Lord from you. Mm-hmm. This is like what we might call family worship, or it might be some other means. We're going to talk about that another time. The other one would be, uh, the third one is family discipleship moments. These are randomly, they come at you when you see a rainbow in the sky or when you watch a movie with a theme in it that you could relate back to scripture. Like I once, uh, like this a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Nolan and Thomas about the gospel because we watched Beauty and the Beast. Mm. 
and what happens like when when Bell takes her father's place in the prison mm. and he says, you go yeah. free, I'll take your place. I said, Nolan, you want to know who else did that? <laughs> did you know that Jesus did that for you? Mm. Did you know that he, that's what salvation is? He takes your place. Mm. He takes the punishment, you get freedom. Mm. And you'll, you can talk about the gospel and stuff right. like that. But then the last one is family discipleship milestones, kind of these these big events that happen in the life of a person as they're coming to Christ. Like it might be a baptism or it might be, Hey, you've like, if you're working through a catechism, Hey, you've memorized half the catechism way to go. Or you've memorized five verses way to go. You know, there's this idea. So we're not saying that you as a parent just kind of have to take it as it comes. Like it's the responsibility is on you to manufacture some of these times as well to be conscious. I mean, we talked in the marriage episode that we did last time just about how the fact that if you're sometimes we don't even think about these things we've just got to be thinking about it absolutely so you guys have any thoughts about that about those Uh, real real quick i think that a great point about scheduling time is um we recognize that with sports activities that we have to schedule sports practices that are organized or with uh, sending our kids to school or doing homeschool, whatever it is, we carve out times intentionally to do that. There's some reason we have this idea in spiritual things that we don't want to, it's more spiritual to be unorganized. I think sometimes we have that idea. Holy Spirit driven. Right. But the idea is, is Christianity is something that needs to be taught. You have to teach it. You have to, you have to educate people in that, yeah. in the faith. And that, what that means is, is in any other place that you have to have some kind of intentionality and organization. God has organized the Bible for us. And so I think just being encouraged to think about the Christian faith that way doesn't mean it's always a tight, organized box. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I do think, uh, to remember that, uh, just like in those other things, we realize that that produces better results. Um, it's going to be more quality if we're actually doing these things at carved out times. I think the next podcast we're doing parenting wise, we'll talk more specifically about family worship, right? Is that the next one? Yep. Uh, where we'll talk about that in more detail of what mm-hmm. that could look like family worship, you know, setting aside times and all of that. I'm glad you guys bring that up though, because it could have seemed like that from what we were talking about that we were kind of pushing that aside and we're not pushing that aside. We're just also wanting people to realize that's not the only time, mm-hmm. right? It's not just family, because what we'll talk about, I'm sure, a lot of family discipleship time seems like nobody's paying attention, right? and mm-hmm. like not much is getting Kind of like at church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or if, if one of them gets emphasized more than the other, if, if all you do is right. family worship, but the life you're living in front of your kids is disconnected from right. what you're right. talking about, right. then that's going to create bitterness in your and children. Kids notice that. You know, I notice that working in youth ministry, and working with students, like you could definitely, I think, at times see a correlation with like kids who would just disappear after it all. Mm-hmm. Like you've been teaching them for six years mm-hmm. the word of God, and it seems like they get it, but then they just disappear. But then you look kind of maybe their home life, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, yeah, your parents aren't always super consistent. And I know something, you know, maybe they live this and it's just like well it kind of is adding up right it starts to it starts to add up and uh we want parents to see that that's important i mean you guys have been working on i know scott and spencer you guys have been working on the discipleship plan here at the church in terms of our kids and we started at age zero like what do we want our nursery workers telling 
our babies all the time. Mm. You know, somebody might say that's stupid. They don't hear anything. Well, no, it needs to start right away. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, babies can understand love and things like Mm -hmm. that. And then like we talked about in the toddler room, maybe you're talking to them about how big God is. Mm -hmm. He's so big. He's like bigger than this building. You know what I mean? No one asks me the question all the time, is God bigger than the Hulk? (laughs) (laughs) it's like to him the hulk is the judge of everything (laughs) that's a standard hulk yeah is he three hulks big that's awesome that's awesome awesome. but they understand that way right that's where he's at right now and so you're just trying to be faithful to teach that and we can set that up though in the church but again we see them on a sunday for an hour Mm-hmm. You know, if they come to Sunday school and church, your kids get two hours sure. with us. And then they're off at home, they're off at school, they're off hearing a lot of other things. And so it doesn't fall on us, you know, as pastors to raise the kids. It doesn't fall on the Sunday school teacher. We will do our best with the time we're giving, given with sure. the child. But the direct results doesn't say, you know, that verse that we were talking about, train a child, was mm-hmm. to parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah wasn't to pastors. Mm-hmm. It's the parent's job to, to do that and to live that life. I can't look necessarily at my church and say, you failed my kid. Mm-hmm. I have to look at myself. Yeah. I mean, the role of pastors is to train and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Well, parents, if you're a Christian, guess what? You're a saint. And guess what? Your first ministry is that God has given you. Mm-hmm. Every parent is to your children. Yeah. You know, this is Ephesians chapter six, verse four. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You, you are commanded by God to raise your kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. <laughs> so like this, this podcast episode, like, like we said, is the big overview of what does that mean? The fact that my kids are going to not just live this life, but eternity is coming. I've been tasked as a parent to, to discipline and then train them in the Lord. What, how do I view that? Am I prioritizing that? Do I have a plan for how that's going to happen? Because that is the God given task of every single parent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to be diving into more of the specifics of how we do that, but that's really been the, the focus of what we've been wanting to, yeah. to get across mm-hmm. in this episode. So. Yeah. Awesome. Good. good. Hey, I have I have stuff to say. I saw you took a lot of notes. Why yeah, are you taking? Oh, why sorry, are you taking so many? Sorry, notes? sorry. Right. Listen, I'm we're going to the closer. Going to the closer. Right <laughs> you now. need to because yeah. you're the closer. Yeah. Right now. Okay. <laughs> Bring it in, Matt. No, I really appreciate this particularly because I'm not a parent yet. Yes, you are. Uh, well, technically, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, guess. You are. But are you not training training your child every day right now? Well, my wife is. You're not singing to her. <laughs> you're not singing. Yeah. You're not serenading. Yeah. So yeah, in February I will. Talking about the Trinity. Lord, yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, I mean, of course. You no, know, it's you and mom and the placenta and <laughs> yeah. you're like a Trinity together. Right? Well, he's the size of an orange. Oh. Hey. So Yeah, there's a heresy there somewhere. Please don't bring that. Don't, 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 <laughs> don't use Trinitarian <laughs> analogies, please. That opens up a can of worms that I don't want to get <laughs> so anyways, Lord willing, like I will be a father, not that I'm not a father now, but I will be act- an actual parent to a son in late February. And like this has particularly been helpful to me because we are thinking through a lot of these questions, like how, how do I want to raise my son? Mm. And I think it's really important at a foundational level that we start with a biblical worldview, you know, if 
if we're using a secular worldview or, you know, an atheistic worldview where, you know, we're all made from stardust and we're going to return to stardust and there's not really any purpose in anything, then really our goal in life is to do things that make us feel good. Really? Mm -hmm. It's just a, a big old pleasure bait, you know? And then we, in turn, teach our kids to do the same thing, like the bucket list mentality. And I don't want to do that with my son. Uh, so, I mean, I call this kind of the, the Disney thing. I think I talk mm. about this a lot, but do what makes you feel good mm. or do what you feel is right. It's all kind of based mm -hmm. on feelings. And, <laughs> and from the biblical worldview, you don't get that. You get, you live to glorify God and you live uh, to... Uh, obey him and be joyful in that mm. you know that's kind of our basis for living i mean that's kind of like the the number the first question in a lot of catechisms you know what's our life or what's our goal in life and death mm -hmm. it's to glorify god mm -hmm. live for him mm -hmm. um yeah and and if we're if we're doing that from a biblical worldview <laughs> we have to start with god and we have to start teaching our kids like the reality of things starting there and then getting to, you know, preparing them like Scott, what you were saying, preparing them to deal with death mm. and the, and answering the question of, of what am I going to mm. like, what happens when you die? But the question that really uh, is lingering my, in my head is how can I best prepare my son with how to deal with what he's going to hear and see? Because as the society becomes a lot more secular, a lot more, uh, I want to be leery about using the word liberal, but as it, as society becomes way more left, I'll, I'll call it that way more left, left thinking or secular thinking, like he's going to be exposed to all kinds of sinful things. And I want, I want to help him deal with that before he sees it so that he can rec recognize it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So everything all of you guys have said uh, is really helpful. Mm. Very, very much so. Mm. I, I, I try to approach raising kids in this way, I guess. I want my kids to experience the most joy out of life that they can. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, the truth of that is found in God's word. Yeah. That joy comes from him. So first and foremost, it has to be cemented on him. But that does not mean then that we can't find joy in the world. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, God yeah. created the world and it was good, right? And so there's there's a lot of things in life that are good and that are enjoyable because God is a good God. Even yeah. to non-Christians, they find joyful things in life and it's yeah. some common grace that God... Yeah. Has given, and I think sometimes we start to think if we're going to be good Christian parents, we're just going to be curmudgeons, and we're going to raise curmudgeons who just see the world as evil, who see the world as no hope, and we yeah. stand against it. And I don't want to raise my kids that way. I don't want to be that way. I want to live life in view that God is victorious. He's already won. Uh, we know that sin is in the world, but sin has been here ever since Adam and Eve. Every generation says this is the worst generation. Mm -hmm. 
we're continuing that now. We say how horrible things are. And while there are things that are difficult, I want my kids to see there's still joy in this life. And it's okay to have some happiness. But also yeah. at the same time, teach them that's not the end game is happiness. Right. So I would say to your question, you know, how do you teach them that? Again, it's a daily thing. As things are thrown your way, you don't lie to your kids. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to say you don't hide things from your kids because I think at times you need to protect them from things for sure. Yeah. But you can't protect them forever. So you have to be honest. So like just the other day, I asked Jackson, I said, hey, has your school ever talked to you about LGBTQ stuff? Mm-hmm. Like what, what do they say? And he said, I, I don't think they've ever said it. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, good. You know, I, I'm just yeah. curious yeah. if they're pushing it or something like that. Is right. that a sandwich or? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> you you probably were sheltered from a lot of that stuff as a PK, right? <laughs> I don't know if it's like a BLT or. What that is. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, it would be easy for me to just not bring it up because he doesn't bring it up. Yeah. But right. I feel like I need to bring this up, you know. And he's just now in high school, and but I'm sure. My middle schoolers probably heard that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My elementary kids, they've heard more than I think they have heard. Yeah. You know, and so I don't want to hide the dangers of the world or the scary things of the world. And so you speak into them. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to share with them the joy of Christ and the victory we have yeah. in Christ. And so yeah. I'm not all down and out all the time yeah. because I'm on the winning team. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> It's really good. Really good. Okay. Well, thanks, guys, so much for having this conversation. We look forward to next week. Um, We're going to do a screw tape letter, and then the week after that, we will be talking about family worship, I believe, right? Or are we doing a marriage one? We're going to switch back to marriage. Oh, back to marriage. Back to children. Just flip flop. Okay. Flip flop. Um, (laughs) All right. That sounds good. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Scott, for leading our discussion. Mm -hmm. And. And thank you all for listening. We hope that this has been encouraging to you. And uh, we look forward to having you join us next week on Pastors of the Roundtable. Take care. God bless.